Well, good morning again, everybody. Um, as Andrew was saying, man, I feel like it's been so long since we've been able to, to meet together and definitely don't like to take that time for, for granted. And, um, but I hope you guys all had a good Mother's Day weekend last weekend, celebrating with your family and taking care of your moms. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to continue through our um, series of influence today, and so or influencers, hashtag influencers. But uh, if, if you watched Matthew's uh, sermon last week, he kind of talked about how the biggest influence in his life was his grandma. And because of his grandma, his grandfather was able to find Christ through, through a lot of messiness. And not only that, he gave his life to Christ. And the rest of his family, um, throughout the generations, became Christians. And Matthew and his family works in ministry and they're faithful servants of the Lord. And that's all because one person decided to take their faith so serious that they influenced those around them so that Christ would work in other people's lives. And that way you saw a whole family revived and a whole family change. And so I think that's great. We're, we're going to continue to work that through that today, and we're going to kind of stay in the family unit. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to see what influence looked like in the first family, and that is Adam and Eve. And so I think if you guys think about all your, your families growing up, whether you're, you're a parent or you're a spouse or you, uh, you're, you're a kid or you remember when you were a kid, th- there's so much influence that comes through the family unit and the family household. And so we're going to see what that looks like um, in, Adam and, in Adam and Eve's story. But first, a little, a little story for myself of influence from growing up. Um, I remember my, my brothers and I used to play out in the woods um, just about every single day. We, about behind our subdivision growing up, there was like a, a couple acres of land, and we just went out there and we would build forts, and one day there, there was a tree that had fallen over, and it was kind of just sitting on an angle like this, and uh, I think it was after a storm or something, and my brothers thought it was a good idea to climb up this tree. And so I was trying to figure out, man, is this something that I can do? I was a, you know, small six-year-old, seven-year-old kid. And after they climbed up the tree, they convinced me to climb up the tree. And so I climb up all the way up this tree to find out for the first time in my young life that I am deathly afraid of heights. And so I'm stuck on the top of this tree, and it's kind of hanging over on an angle. And all because my brothers influenced me and, and convinced me to crawl up this tree. And so little Zach is up there hanging out for dear life, and I'm crying out. And I'm like, hey, can you guys go tell mom that I'm stuck in this tree? So they leave and to, to go and tell mom, and nobody comes out there for a long time. It felt like hours. It's probably like maybe 30 or 40 minutes, but it was a long time. Next thing I know, my mom is running out into the woods, and I'm like, gosh, like, what took you guys so long? They didn't even tell my mom that I was stuck in a tree. They went home to go eat dinner, and I'm still out in the woods. And so, um, but anyways, a, a silly, funny story of influence. So I'm afraid of heights, and I, I think I bring it back to that moment, to when my brothers influenced me to, to crawl up and climb up this tree. But uh, anyways, we're, we're going to look at a little different. Um, Adam wasn't crawling up a tree here that we're going to see, um, the, but, but we see that he had influence in a certain way that really changed the pattern of life for all generations to come. And so I'm going to pray for us, and this is a passage, we're going to be in Genesis 3. Um, it's labeled the fall. I'm sure many of us are familiar with this passage, but um, I just, um, as I pray, just ask that you guys would ask that God would um, just allow this passage to um, just reign new in our hearts, that we'd hear this um, maybe for the first time or with fresh eyes and fresh hearts as we, we dig in. So let's go ahead and pray. God, we just, uh, we love you. And um, we're unworthy to um, just be here and to, to worship you. Um, but God, you are, you are good in that you sent your son Jesus to bring us back into relationship with you. Because you are good. And so that we may 
worship together. We may gather together, not because we are good enough, but because you have purchased our freedom. And so I pray that, God, as we, as we walk through this passage and we kind of see the, the beginning of how um, all this happened, that you would just uh, remind us in our hearts the severity of our sin and how it influences our lives and others' lives and how your son Jesus Christ made that um, new for us that we may be in right relationship with you. So I pray that you be with us throughout this time in your name. Amen. So this is smack dab in the beginning. God just created this, this piece of land made fit for, for mankind to live on. And you see throughout this different creation account that God is making the land fit. He's, he's, he's putting animals on the land and the water, so on and so forth, things for, for mankind to eat, may, be able to survive. And then he creates man. And he creates man to, to work the garden. Work was good. And he created him to go and to glorify him and to, to work in the name of God. But he knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he goes and he creates woman from man. So that way both husband and wife would be joined together. And that they would live a life in the garden, multiplying, making followers of God, image bearers of God, all glorifying and walking in right relationship with God. And so we find this moment that, that God also, who, the God who created Adam and Eve and created us is a God who also gave us free will. And so as he, he tells Adam and Eve and commands Adam and Eve, hey, you can eat of any tree in this garden, any of the fruit of this garden, except for the tree in the middle of a garden. You shall not eat of that tree. This is a command that God has commanded us to live in his design. It's like, it's like building a tree for in, or, or building, setting up a trampoline, and it comes with instructions for us to set it up. And if we go outside the design, and, you know, to me, there's pride that dwells in my heart. I'm like, no, I can set that thing up by myself without the instructions. And then it's a mess, and people get hurt, so on and so forth. Living in God's design, he commanded man and woman to live inside this design. And we're going to see here the moment that they decide to stray from that design. And we're going to see a couple of main participants in this with one, Satan, two, the woman, Eve, and three, Adam. Now, Adam's part's going to look a little, a little less um, big or huge, I guess, in this moment. You're going to say, man, Adam didn't really have much to do with it. But really, when we boil down to this family unit, we're going to see that Adam actually had more to do with this than what we think at first. And so I'm going to read through the first few verses, and we'll, we'll dissect it a bit. So the author, Moses, he writes, he says, Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman replied to him and to the serpent. He said, well, we may eat of any fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So we see here that, that God who created the serpent, that Satan possessed to go into tempt Eve, that he's a big actor in this place that's happening in, in, in this scene. And Eve is the first one that gives it, that we see give in to the temptation of the serpent. But where does this influence come from? There, there's many different avenues of influence. Yes, we see the serpent influencing, but if we look at Adam, he's very vaguely mentioned here. 
And, and I think that we see that in families, in our family unit, as God created man and wife to live together to lead their family, if, if a father is not leading and, and, and guiding his family in the truth of what Christ has called us to, then it's easy for temptation and pain and sorrowfulness to come into that. I'm sure all of us can remember may, maybe moments of pain from inside of our family growing up. Whether, whether that may have been blended families or, or just different pains and sorrows that have come because maybe there was some um, leadership that was lacking in some areas. I know I can testify to that. And we see that Adam, as Eve was getting tempted, Adam was kind of passively sitting back and not really standing forward to lead his wife into speaking truth into this situation that was happening. You see, by God's word, God created this world. By God's word, he commanded Moses to speak to the rock so the water would come out, not to strike the rock. And in the same way as Jesus commands spirits to come out of people, everything is done through the authority of the word of God. And the same is right here. You know, when, when, when you hear people, when we see people get married and, and the pastor, the, the person officiating the wedding, he makes it very clear that both man and wife who are coming together, that it is the man's responsibility to lead the wife. It is the man's responsibility to lead and to love the wife just as Christ selflessly leads and loves the church. That didn't start in Paul's letter, but that started back in the garden. To yes, both man and woman have responsibility to lead their family, but as God had given Adam the first man responsibility to lead his wife, especially in moments of temptation, of influence, we see that as the serpent was tempting Eve, Adam stood passively by. And that created moments for Eve to give in to temptation. And not only Eve get into temptation, but the influence goes back on Adam to after where Eve takes of the fruit and eats of the fruit. Then she gives some for Adam to eat, and now Adam's eating of the fruit. So we have influence, negative bad influence coming from the serpent to the woman because Adam is not leading his wife in the truth of God. And then we have Eve leading Adam into the same sin that she's going into. So we just have a huge mess here. And it's not just a, a huge silly mess, it is, it is a serious mess. Because everything that Adam and Eve does, good and bad, is going to affect the rest of humanity. If they decide to follow God and be image bearers of God, then the rest of the generations are going to follow God. But when they sin and sin comes into the world, it tears apart man's relationship with God. And we see that there are consequences with all of our influences, with all the influences and all the choices that we make. Now, this is not a sermon to tell you guys to, to make better choices or to be a solid influence. This is, this is a serious message that shows that when our influence is used for the bad because of the sin that's in our heart, it brings about death. And we see that beforehand, they didn't even know that they were naked in the garden. But after they had sinned against God, not only physically were they exposed and embarrassed, but they were spiritually exposed. They were spiritually naked. They knew that if they saw God face to face, they could not stand before God because of the sin and the, and, and the dirtiness that now consumes them and that, con, that, that covers them. How do we know? Well, if we read on, continuing in chapter 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day as the wind was blowing. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, said to him, Where are you? Notice that he calls to the man. Where are you? And the man replies and says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then God responds. He says, 
Well, who, to- who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And so right here, God already knows. God is never stumped by anything. And so he's going into this, knowing very well what has happened. And as he approaches the man who was to influence his family and work in his family in a way that would glorify God and continue the mission of God of multiplying and making um, many people in his image, image bearers of God, he goes to him, he confronts him, and the first thing that he responds when he asks him, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Now, he could have, he could have responded in, in a way that says, you know what, God? I messed up. I did what you commanded me not to do. And we see a repentful heart, but here, which I think we can all agree on, we all play parts in this, he puts the blame right on Eve. The man says, the woman, not not just the woman, but the woman that you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit. She gave me the fruit and I ate of it. So so not just saying, God, I ruined the goodness and, and the love that you created us to live in, but no, the woman that you made, God, the one that you created and designed for me, it was because of her that I sinned. And so then he asked the woman, the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So you have the man putting the blame on the woman and you have the woman putting the blame on the serpent. Now obviously the serpent is bad because it's consumed by Satan. He's the, the, the great enemy of God. But the serpent, as we know in the beginning of this passage, was also created by God, the most craftiest of animals. And so you have Adam, who's telling God, it's because of your design, it's who you design is the reason why I ate of this fruit. And the woman is saying, because it's because of the serpent that you created that I ate of this fruit. Instead of taking the blame and holding it to themselves and saying, I messed up. This is, this is my wrong. And the reason of that is because influence that has consequences good, we see the bad side of this here, to where they put the blame on other people, we put the blame, I put the blame on other people in moments of bad influence. And so it, it kind of ends there, God goes on, and we, we see the consequences of this to where he says that a serpent is going to crawl on his, belly, on his belly all the days of his life. And we see that um, pain's going to come into this world physically, that the man, he's going to sweat and bleed from the, the, his eyebrows, and he sweats as he works the land, that the woman's going to have uh, pain as she bears children, that there's a lot of bad consequences and pain that come with this, with this bad influence. Now we see that there is a resolution to this, that there is redemption in this plan. We know that this, this doesn't just end here with this influence, and, and, and I think the truth of the matter is that if it's up to us to influence others in the name of God, to follow God, we are going to fail. I think if you look at every, every other book in the Bible, I think it's very clear that we are not the hero, that we're not David, we're not Moses. There's only one hero of the Bible, and that is Christ. And so God is going to take a moment of bad influence that kind of destructed the family unit and really put the rest of humanity for further generations in jeopardy. He's going to return it with a promise of a better influence, someone who's better to come that is going to restore not only God's relationship with him, but with himself, but God's relationship with one another. And we see this in the, in, in the promise that he promises Eve that that there is going to be a seed that will come from her that will smash the serpent's head. And although his heel will be bruised, that he will remain victorious. And as we see throughout the Old Testament, that as God continues to reveal himself more and more, that we see that the seed becomes a man. 
The seed becomes a messenger. The seed becomes someone who is actually, in fact, better than Adam, who is better than Moses, who is better than David. And it's revealed to us in the Gospels as Jesus, fully God, fully man, walks this earth. He plays the part in the moment that Adam sinned. He reverses that, and as he is tempted in the same ways that Eve and Adam were tempted, that he remains victorious. We see that as Jesus is in the wilderness, I believe in Matthew's Gospel, that as Satan came to tempt him in reverse order of what he tempted Adam and Eve, that Jesus spoke God's truth. Jesus spoke God's truth to Satan in that moment, saying, I I shall not live by bread alone, but from the very word of God. And he continues to live and walk in obedience, and by Jesus' perfect obedience, that he was a perfect, he became a perfect sacrifice as he went to the cross. As he went to the cross and he gave his life for your sin and for my sin, and not only did he just physically die, but spiritually the Father turned his face away from Christ, something that we all deserve for eternity. And after it was finished, Jesus said, it is finished. And he gave his last breath, and they buried him in the tomb. And on the third day, the power of the Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the grave. And now to this day, in this moment, Jesus reigns victorious. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. Everything that we saw start in this beginning moment in Genesis chapter 3. Because of the influence that infiltrated God's creation and his design. And we see how even though Adam and Eve failed and brought sin and death into this world because of the wages of sin is death. We see that Christ comes and he becomes the better Adam, influencing not only the creation around him, but influencing us to um, receive Christ, to follow him, and to jump into a new and join into a new relationship with God, a relationship that comes from a changed heart. And so as, as we look at the influences that we have in our life and we think about this passage, we, just as Adam and Eve, have every opportunity to make decisions of influence inside our family. Now again, this is not just a message for us to go home and try to be better influences. This starts with us admitting to ourselves that we are not good enough, that we in fact cannot be good influencers to the family without Christ first reigning in our hearts. When Christ, who is the better Adam, comes and he lives and he remains in our hearts, not only can we influence our family members, but we can influence so many around us with the gospel so that they may see the risen Christ in our lives. I've had a great opportunity in the last five, six years. I know I mentioned a couple months ago when I spoke that, that God has done a, a great work in my family, that through um, influences that people have had on my life and me following Jesus, and I've been able to see the influence that Jesus had through my heart and in my life to, to my family and seeing many of them baptized in the last couple of years, and then hearing stories of, of other people and their families receiving Christ, as, as I heard from Matthew's story last week from his grandma, influences of the gospel of Jesus Christ at the center, changing our hearts, bringing us from death to life, allows us to walk not only in obedience to Christ, but in healthy influence towards others. So what we see that is first tattered and a negative moment of influence in Genesis 3 we see turned around by Christ and his life, his death, and his resurrection so that we may live in relationship with him and bring the gospel and healthy influence to our families, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, and to our city. And so before I pray and before we head out, I just, I want to, or while I'm praying, I just want you guys to think to yourselves, how is the gospel of Christ going to impact your influence inside your family this week? 
What, what decisions maybe need to be made in your family this week, whether it be um, in the household or, or work-wise, whatever-wise, what are you guys going to do to influence your family and the decisions as you are following Christ? What temptations do we walk through to where we need to speak the authority of Christ into those moments in the same way that we see Adam fail, but we see Jesus do perfectly? That may look different for everybody. And so that's what I command as brothers and sisters as we walk in this week that we would we would we take that responsibility as Christ lives in us to do that. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I, I don't know how to influence all because I don't have the gospel living in me. I don't have Christ living in me. Well, during this prayer time, if, if, uh, if that's you and you're kind of unsettled, then have a conversation with Jesus. Have him search out your heart and find where, where, where your heart is right now in a relationship with him. And I'd, be, I'd love to talk with you. We have, we have leaders here who love to talk with you guys about that and walk with you in your next steps. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close out in worship. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we love you. Um, We thank you for the influence that you've had on us that has eternal implications, God. That we have new life in you because you came to reverse what seemed to be tattered in the beginning. And Lord, I just pray that as as believers in you, that, that we would walk this week in healthy influence to our family members, to those around us, that we wouldn't replicate what we've done so much in our life, or we wouldn't replicate what we've seen in the family unit with, with Adam and Eve, but God, that we would, we would walk in newness of life with you, having influence on those around us, and bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all you've done for us. We praise you in your name. Amen.